0: Well, I I don't know what it's like where you live, if you don't live here in Memphis, but this is such a great time in Memphis under the leadership of Mayors Wharton and Luttrell and how the church, the faith community is coming together with the city and the county and really serving and working together. What a great, great blessing that is. So we are truly appreciative of you being with us here tonight. And I want to welcome you on behalf of Highland. We are thrilled to have you here Tonight, how many of you live here in Memphis? Raise your hand. All right, and then hands down, how many of you came from out of town? Raise your hand. All right, so Memphians, say welcome. All right. Say, uh, Memphians, say God bless your heart. Come on. God bless your heart. That's what we say. We're really glad that you're here, and we hope that your stay here is inspiring and informative. We hope that you leave here filled full and ready to continue to serve where you are. If if we can be of any help at all while you're here, please do not hesitate to ask because we we do want to make your stay here a, a memorable and enjoyable and spiritually uplifting time. We're really really thankful that you're here. I hope tonight in just these few minutes together that you'll find some hope and some inspiration. You may have uh, come here uh, weary, especially those of you who have traveled. Either you flew or you drove, and you may feel a little bit weary. You may feel weary from this ministry because this is a hard ministry. This is a taxing ministry, and so I hope that you find some encouragement and some inspiration in our time together tonight. How many of you have ever heard of TED, T-E-E-D, not a man, a nonprofit organization? TED is a nonprofit organization dedicated to spreading ideas. It started in 1984 with a conference that talked about technology, T, education, E, and design, TED. And today, TED Talks cover a wide variety of topics. In November 2014, a TED Talk featured the Lady Lifers, women who had been sentenced to prison without the possibility of parole. And these lady lifers, inmates at Muncie State Prison in Pennsylvania, wrote and performed a song for TED listeners. It's a song that gives a window into the experience and the emotions of at least some behind bars. And I want us to listen to just a few moments of this song. number 005545 my name is Trina Garnett I've been incarcerated for 37 years since I was 14 years old born and raised in Chester, Pennsylvania and this is not my home refrain during that song and at the end of that song is really a haunting refrain. Will I see my family or die alone? It's such a cry of desperation, of, of loneliness from people who are surrounded by people and yet who are achingly alone. Another note of desperation experienced by those who are incarcerated was highlighted recently by a Lipscomb professor named Lee Camp in the Huffington Post. Lee wrote about one of his students named Brenda. Brenda committed a serious crime when she was 18 years old. Her crime was punished by a 20-year prison sentence. Lee was invited to the clemency hearing for Brenda to determine if this now 32-year-old woman, could be released from prison. Towards the end of the clemency hearing, one of the relatives of the victim of Brenda's original crime spoke. Once a cold heart, always a cold heart, she said. I don't believe in rehabilitation, and prisons don't work. And Lee Camp later reflected and wrote this, I'm pretty sure, too, that prisons don't work, but the great question before us is whether there is a possibility of redemption, the possibility that we are not forever committed to being our worst selves. Well, not only is there a loneliness in jail, a longing for community, but there is a longing for a particular kind of community, a community where you are no longer seen You are no longer received as your worst self. And it's in light of that longing for community, that desperate plea for a place, a people who no longer view you as your own worst self, a a people who accept you as family, that the words of Jesus in Nazareth about prisoners sound like very good news. Luke 4 and verse 16, and Of the Lord's favor. The text from Isaiah that Jesus chooses describes one of the greatest events pictured in the Old Testament, the year of Jubilee. And during this year of Jubilee, several important things would happen. The land would be left fallow to recover, property would be returned to its original owner, debts would be dissolved, and most importantly, for our purposes, the captives received liberty. He has sent to sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. The message puts it this way, pardon to the prisoners. The NIRV says freedom for prisoners. The ERV says Jesus has come to tell prisoners they are free. Jesus has come to give liberty to the captives. And while Isaiah probably meant this as a reference to Prisoners of war, those who had been taken captive by Israel's enemies, it's not too far a leap to see this as a promise for all of those who do now or who have ever lived behind bars. Jesus tells his hometown crowd that one of the main reasons that he has come is to give liberty to the captives, freedom for the prisoners. And what good news that is to those who are incarcerated, to those who feel the desperate disconnection from family, the longing for some place where they are not viewed as their own worst selves. And yet, what seems terribly tragic about Jesus' prison sermon in his hometown of Nazareth is that he never fulfilled this promise, at least not in the way that we would expect. Jesus does go on to feed the poor. Jesus goes on to give sight to blind people, but he never frees a prisoner. Not even his cousin, John the Baptist. Just one chapter earlier, John is thrown into prison, and Jesus lets John rot there. John eventually gets tired of it. He still has some people coming during visitation time, and so In chapter 7, he sends them to go have a little talk with Jesus and tell him all about his troubles. Listen, I I know you said that the Spirit of the Lord is on you. I I, I know that you say that you're the Messiah, the Christ, the, the promised one, but I'm wondering if you really are the one who was to come. Or should I be looking for another? Because you said... You came to give freedom for the captives. I am captive and I have no freedom at all. And in response to that query, Jesus goes on and he gives some sight to some blind people. He gives some good news to the poor. But he refuses to free a single prisoner, not even John. Where is the freedom? Where is the liberty? Will I see my family or die alone? Well it turns out that Jesus is promising something far greater than a jailbreak. Because Jesus knows that even when there are no more prison bars, there is a kind of imprisonment that remains. The 1994 film, The Shawshank Redemption, explored the captivity that remains even after you're released. At one point in that story, a longtime inmate named Brooks Hatlin is released. He has spent 49 years in the Shawshank State Prison. And now he's more afraid of living on the outside than he is of living on the inside. He's given a room in a halfway house. He's given a job bagging groceries at the Foodway Market. But the freedom doesn't feel free. So he writes a letter to his friend Andy, who is back in prison. I have trouble sleeping at night. I have bad dreams like I'm falling. I, I wake up scared. Sometimes it takes me a while to remember where I am. Maybe I should get me a gun and rob the foodway, so they'd send me home. I could shoot the manager while I was at it, sort of like a bonus. I guess I'm too old for that sort of nonsense anymore. I don't like it here. I'm tired of being afraid all the time. I've decided not to stay. I doubt they'll kick up any fuss, not for an old crook like me. And Brooks takes his life. He'd rather die than continue to live with the freedom and the fear. There is a captivity that remains even after the captives are released. There is a freedom they crave, even after they've been freed. And that's the liberty that Jesus is promising. The kind that can be experienced no matter what side of the bars you're living on. That's why Isaiah's text and Jesus' text ends in that way in verse 19. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, what Jesus is ultimately promising here is to inaugurate a season of the Lord's favor. Only favor is an unfortunate translation because that word is actually the same word translated acceptable in verse 24 when Jesus talks about how it's not really acceptable for a prophet like him to be in his hometown. And to show how unacceptable he is, his neighbors take him and bring him to the top of the hill and try to throw him off the hill. Quite a welcome wagon from the neighbor's. In Nazareth. That word acceptable is the word favor. It's a word that means welcome. It's a word that means to receive with good pleasure. It's a word that means to accept. That's the word that Jesus uses. And that, it turns out, is exactly what prisoners need, whether they're in prison or on parole. What they need is what all humans need, a welcome, to be received with good pleasure, to be accepted by God and by God's people. It is the absence of genuine welcome, of genuine favor that turns any parole into a problem, any clemency into a catastrophe, and it is the presence of genuine welcome, of favor that makes it possible for any inmate to be filled with praise. Jesus is inaugurating a season in which any person who's ever felt unwelcome and rejected to now feel welcomed and accepted. The blind, the lame, the oppressed, and even, especially, the prisoners. I think what Jesus is saying here is that welcome, favor, is greater than any jailbreak, greater than any pardon. This is what brings freedom, even into the lives of those still in prison, being accepted, being received with good pleasure, being welcomed. A few years ago, a prisoner named Robert Kirkpatrick thought he had been welcomed by someone very high up. He received, in his cell at the Belmont Correctional Institution in Ohio, an invitation from the then vice president. President of the United States. And he opened it up and inside was an invitation to a dinner with then-President Bush. It appeared that he had been welcomed by the highest person in the United States. And of course it turned out to be a mistake. Some computer, some administrator had made some error and the invitation was sent to the wrong person in the wrong place. But what Jesus is promising in Luke chapter 4 here is even more surprising than an inmate receiving an invitation from the White House. What Jesus is promising in Luke chapter 4 are inmates receiving invitations from heaven itself. Inmates receiving a welcome from the Father himself. A letter from God himself saying, I welcome you. I receive you with good pleasure. I accept you. And so do my people. There is nothing more truly freeing than finding that you are truly welcomed. In the late 1920s, Memphian Thomas Briggs overheard the story of a friend who had moved to another city and felt all alone there. And that suddenly sparked an idea. And so Briggs began the company known as Welcome Wagon. It was headquartered in downtown Memphis On the top of their little building was a glowing globe. He hired hostesses, women who were friendly and knew their neighborhoods well. They would bring baskets filled with goods from local businesses and deliver them to new homeowners in Memphis to welcome them. And The idea caught on and businesses of the Welcome uh, Headquarters were moved to other cities and started in other cities across the nation. And presumably this globe on the Memphis headquarters was there to say, we're an organization dedicated to welcoming all, no matter where in the world they live. And so how fitting is it tonight that this group gathers in Memphis, Tennessee, where the welcome wagon began? Because this group has been called to something even greater than the welcome Wagon. This group has been called to join Jesus Himself in welcoming all, but especially those who have or now live behind bars. And we've been invited not simply to go and to deliver baskets filled with local goods. We've been invited to go and deliver lives filled with love and grace and mercy Empowerment and encouragement. Because Jesus knows that a divine welcome like that, a community of people who say, I accept you, I receive you with good pleasure, I welcome you, that community has the power to change the world. The one thing even greater than pardon or jailbreak is welcome. Let's join Jesus in bringing, even into prison, the year of the Lord's favor. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we give you great thanks for being the one who has welcomed us, the one who has received us. Thank you for being the one, maybe sometimes on some days, the only one who smiles with great pleasure when you see us. It is our desire to join your Son in creating that same experience for all, but especially for those who have now, who have once or who do now live behind bars. Father, would you fill us with the spirit of hospitality? Would you give us the grace of showing favor? And would you help us to truly welcome, receive with good pleasure. Help us to be the people, perhaps the only people on some days, who smile with with great joy when someone who has spent time in prison comes our way. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, and together we say, Amen.